This is the Sunday morning message broadcast from Church of God Holiness in El Dorado Springs. It'll be worth it all when we see Jesus. Thank you, gentlemen. Wonderful. Good to see all of you this morning. We sure miss our pastor. We pray that God will give them a wonderful, wonderful return. And they'll be sharing all of that with us. Sharing with you this morning from this theme. Only a boat width away. That may seem a strange title. What an incredible roller coaster the disciples had experienced that week of the crucifixion. Their world had been rocked. Understand that they had assumed that Jesus would be and become a political leader and that he would drive out the hated Romans and restore their nation to its rightful place of honor. And yet they had seen Jesus crucified in apparent weakness. Talk about rocking your world. And even though Jesus had appeared to them a couple of times, in fact, it just seemed like Peter and several of the others couldn't climb on top of what they had experienced. They were confused. They couldn't quite connect the dots and understand the scope of what was happening. Peter seemed to express the sentiments of most of them when he said, Guys, this this discipleship thing, (laughs) it's beyond me. I, I tell you, I'm going back to what I understand. I'm going back to what I know. I'm going back to my fishing. And they said, We'll go with you. And that's the setting of our lesson today found in John's Gospel, chapter 21. And we'll read a few verses beginning at verse 1. After Jesus appeared again to his disciples by the Sea of Tiberias, it happened this way. Simon Peter and Thomas called Didymus, Nathaniel from Cana and Galilee, The sons of Zebedee and two other disciples were together. I'm going out to fish, Simon Peter told them. And they said, we'll go with you. So they went out and got into the boat. But that night, boy, I've been there. That night they caught nothing. Early in the morning, Jesus stood on the shore, but uh, the disciples did not realize that it was Jesus. He called out to them, Friends, haven't you any fish? Or, as your King James puts it, Children, have you any meat? No, no, they answered. He said, Throw your net on the right side of the boat, And you will find some. When they did, they were unable to haul the net in because of the large number of fish. 
Then the disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, It is the Lord! As soon as Simon Peter heard him say, It is the Lord, he wrapped his outer garment around him, for he had taken it off. Old Peter, he jumped into the water. (laughs) The other disciples followed in the boat, towing the net full of fish, for they were not far from shore, about a hundred yards. And when they landed, they saw a fire of burning coals there with fish on it and some bread. And Jesus said to them, Come on in, guys, and let's have breakfast. What an incredible breakfast that was on that morning. Well, I'm talking about fishing, a thing about which I know very little, apparently. I've said this, that when it comes to fishing, there's a little black cloud that hangs over my head. And uh, I'm a little intimidated uh, here are the Hubbard brothers and sons, and and uh, they uh, they know how to do this stuff. But uh, I identify with parts of this scripture when it said they fished all night and they caught nothing. In fact, it's just kind of a surprise any time I do catch something. But uh, I still like to try. But uh, you can only imagine their frustration, for these weren't Richard Beckhams. They were professional fishermen. They understood fishing, and they knew the lake like the back of their hands. But um, Jesus, as we uh, shall see, and I don't want to anticipate my message here today, gave them a bit of instruction to just change their tactic a bit. Instead of fishing over here on the left side of the boat, he said, why don't you drop your nets in the right side of the boat? Now, that defies logic. They fished all night. They've used every trick of the trade. They have exhausted their knowledge of fishing, and yet somebody has the audacity to say that if you'll just make this adjustment, this small adjustment. It'll mean the difference between nets being empty or nets being full of fish. Well, with that as a background today, I want to emphasize a few things. And uh, I guess we'll start out with a negative. I want to just emphasize their, their night of failure. Hello? Has anybody ever been there? Has anybody... Maybe you're too spiritual for this. Don't condemn me, please. Has anybody ever experienced that night of failure? You're in the dark night of the soul. It just seems like you can't feel God. You can't sense God. You're confused. You're bewildered. You wonder what in the world... It seems that God has gone silent on me here at this point in my life when I need His help and His intervention, His answers. And He seems to be totally silent. That's what they were experiencing. These men were whipped. They were bewildered. They were cornered. They they simply did not know where to turn. They'd gone back to something totally familiar to themselves And even there, they 
experience total frustration and failure. So I suggest to you that it was night. There are some words that go together. Night and nothing. Those words go together. I've been there, done that. If you want any insight, uh, come to me. We'll talk about it. As I say, I, I heard a preacher one time get up before a large crowd of people and he said, I've, I've been saved for these 50 years and from the day the Lord saved me, I have never been discouraged one day of my life. The crowd went totally silent. I took off my shoe and threw it at him. No, not really. <laughs> but I, I, I felt like it. Friends, I'm afraid that I can't testify to what he testified to. There have been times when I have been profoundly discouraged and maybe even a tad disillusioned. But let me just suggest to you that it was night, 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 so far as their faith was concerned. Now, I say that because all of their assumptions had just evaporated like a a morning fog. They thought they had it all figured out. They uh, had it together. They knew what was supposed to be. They had forsaken everything and followed this, this rabbi from Galilee. And now it all had blown up in their faces. Can you imagine? Now, we, we uh, sang and heard, sung just a moment ago, references to the return of the Lord. And, and I, I suggest to you that we may think we have all of that figured out. And just exactly what's going to transpire first and what's going to transpire second. Can I make a confession to you? Uh, I'm not sure that I've got it all figured out. I uh, I took the advice of an old pastor like Silas here a number of years ago. He said, young man, let me, let me just give you a bit of advice. He said, when it comes to prophetic preaching, don't get so absolutely emphatic because he said, you're going to have to live long enough that some of your theories are going to be proven untrue. Leave that prophetic preaching to us old guys. We'll be dead and gone by the time uh, they discover that that it hasn't been just exactly as they emphatically said it was going to be. I'm not sure. Uh, I I believe in, uh, well, somebody said it this way. I I, I adhere to a pan theology. It'll all pan out. And uh, I know that ultimately God is going to gain the victory. But these fellows thought they had it all figured out. But their faith had been shaken to the very core of their being. I had that happen to me not all that many months ago. I was praying and fasting for a certain individual to be healed and felt like I had received the assurance that it was going to be only to witness them getting sicker and sicker and approaching death, apparently. But I said, thank God, he's going to snatch it right out of the fire and he's going to get great glory to his name. And I was absolutely confident. 
But when I got that news that this individual had passed, I didn't surface again for about a month. It shook me. I thought, dear God, how can I ever know anything for sure? I was so positive that I'd gotten hold of a promise of God. I had it all figured out. I finally just said, God, I don't understand. I've just got to turn it over to you. I believe that you are and that you do all things well and you never make a mistake. But friends, there can come times in our lives when we will be shaken to the core and don't presume that you don't love God or you're not spiritual enough when you have your confidence shaken like a dog shakes a toy that's been thrown to it or how whatever it was night so far as their faith was concerned and it was night so far as their faithfulness was concerned there's a difference because peter had been so emphatic i don't know what these other guys are going to do he said in essence they may they may waffle but i want to tell you jesus i'm prepared to go to death for you I will not stand as Paul. These may not stand, but I want to tell you, I'm with you all the way. And he was one of the first to cave. Can I tell you, in those subsequent days after Peter had denied the Lord two or three times, I think he hated the visage that came back to him when he looked at himself in the mirror. I can't believe that I would do that. I can't believe that I would fail God that way. I was so emphatic. I had made such boast. I had, I had expressed such confidence. And he was the first to wilt and run. And all of them had run. So much so that they hated who they were. They just, have you ever, have you ever done anything like that? Where you had made promises to God and made assurances to God. And then the very thing that you said you would never do, you found yourself doing. And it so rocked you that you, you couldn't even stand to look at yourself in the mirror. It was night, friends, so far as their faithfulness was concerned. They had all failed God miserably. And then, adding insult to injury, it was night so far as... <laughs> it was night so far as their fishing was concerned. You say, well, la-ti-da, that's no big deal. It is if you're a professional fisherman. Now, when I get skunked, I basically take the attitude, well, what else is new? I'm, I'm in familiar territory here. And, and, but, but these guys were experts. They, they were professional fishermen. And the thing that they were expert at, the thing they were good at, even at that they were failing. That's the way this thing sometimes happens. When Satan attacks your faith and he attacks your faithfulness and then and then the thing at which you're the best, you even there fail. Kenny, let me just pick you out of the crowd. 
you're an expert, an expert painter. But one can get in such a state of mind that you make mistakes that you don't ordinarily make and have to redo stuff that you wouldn't ever do before. And it only adds to the frustration. And there have been times when I thought I had the ability to maybe put a message together. I couldn't string two sentences together without stumbling over my tongue. Friends frustrated. The thing at which I was the best, or I thought maybe I had some ability, even there I was failing. You're a carpenter, and you're making stupid mistakes and having to tear out walls <laughs> because you didn't read the blueprint right. I want to tell you, these fishermen were down. It was night so far as their fishing was concerned. Everything is going backwards. Well, let me just not linger there on that negative note, only to say that this isn't all that abnormal. It happens to the best of us. Some of the greatest saints in the world world have fought this dark night of the soul. And I could elaborate on that and give you, a, a, you know, illustrations and examples and, 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 and personal experiences of some of the greatest men that I've ever known. But I don't have time for that. It was their night of failure. But let me take you to the next major idea that I want to share with you. And it's a whole lot more positive, And that's the nearness of the fish. The nearness of the fish. <laughs> I, I've made a little rhyme that uh, might help you to catch hold of this. The thing they sought was nearer than they thought. Would you just say that with me? The thing they sought was nearer than they thought. What are you seeking for? What are you holding on to God for that seems so elusive? Don't give up, friends. I want to tell you, the fish were nearer than they thought. They had fished all night, but they had caught nothing. And, and, and more than that, I've emphasized the fact that it was night, night, with all that connotes. It was night. But can I tell you, friends, <laughs> the morning was nearer than they thought. The night was about to be dispelled by the magnificence of the Son of God Himself. And can I just tell you that the darkest hour of the night comes just before the breaking of dawn. And some of you maybe have been in a long, long night of the soul. But can I tell you that the morning is about to break. Jesus is about to make His appearance. And uh, not only was the morning nearer than they thought, but the miracle was nearer than they thought. These guys needed a miracle. Huh? Have you ever needed... God, I, if ever I need something to show up to reaffirm my faith, I need God to show up and do something. The miracle was... Suddenly, as a result of this little adjustment, that old net begins to jerk and, and uh, it's like getting one of those 50-pound flathead cats on a trot line, you know. You, you know, you don't know exactly what it is, but... Brother, you can feel the tug. It's a coming and a going, and something is on the end of the line. Brother, their miracle was nearer than they thought. I'm speaking to somebody here today 
you need a miracle. Your faith has been assaulted. You've been going through the dark night of the soul. You've said, you've said, oh God, I need you to affirm yourself to me. I need assurance that you're still, you're still working on my, in my behalf. Friends, let me just tell you, God hasn't forgotten you nor uh, forsaken you nor has he lost sight of where you are. The miracle is nearer than you think. I'm asking God to bring about him. Have you been praying for God to show himself in this church uh, like he hasn't ever for a good many years? Friends, let's just keep holding on. God is coming. God is hearing. God is moving. The miracle is nearer than you think. And then (laughs) the key to it all is that the, the master was nearer than they thought. Now, he's the secret to the morning breaking and the miracle happening. The ma- where, where is Jesus, they may have said. Pensive John might have said, I wonder where he is. I'd give everything I have in my possession if I could just see him one more time. And it was precisely at that moment They heard something that caused the hair to stand up on the backs of their necks. They didn't know just who it was at first, but it had a familiar ring to it. Your King James, I love the way it puts it. Children! (laughs) Children! Do you know what that suggests? They had failed him. They had forsaken him. They had gone back to their fishing. And yet Jesus is saying, children, as much as to say, you may have forsaken me, but I haven't forsaken you. You may not know where I am, but I still consider you my children. There have been times in the dark night of the soul, I'd given everything I possessed to hear just one word, Richard, my child. Oh, hallelujah, friends. That voice, the master was nearer than they thought. Friends, (laughs) I'm glad he knows where I am. He knows my address. He knows my name. And he is going to show up in your life. You hang in there. The master was nearer than they thought. By the way, before I move on, I, 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 I drop this little message in parenthetically here. The first thing Jesus asked them was, Children, have you caught any fish? Now, if somebody asks me that question, I don't consider it too much of an insult. I just, you know, that's just kind of normal. And so it isn't too much for my pride to say, Nah, got skunked again. But these are no ordinary fishermen. They're professional fishermen. And I can only imagine what they felt when, when they heard this voice say, Children, ha- have, you, have you any meat? Have you caught any fish? And they had to say, Nope. Nope. We're, we, we have an empty live well. We don't have any. Friends, I, I, I want to emphasize something here. It's a spiritual, a spiritual truth here that we, 
we need to catch hold of. The first step toward recovery is admittance and confession that we're bankrupt, that we don't have anything. Listen to me. If, if I, have, I have asked some across the way, you know, uh, fellow fishermen in an adjacent boat, hey, you guys catch any? How come we always got to ask them? And why do they always have to ask us? I've had them ask me, well, I have a few in the live well. I just didn't tell them it's menace still. <laughs> yeah, we've, 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 we've caught, we've, we've, we've caught some, you know. Of course, they see this and I'm doing this. <laughs> if, if, God asks you, the greatest thing you can do is just confess your need. Confess your brokenness. Confess your bankruptness. No. Brother, <laughs> the miracle is truly on the way when you begin to do that. And that brings me to the last thing that I want to emphasize here briefly. And that is the need of following. And I should say the need of following the minute instruction of the Lord. What if they'd argued? Jesus said, fish, but just drop your nets on the right side. What if they had said, pardon me? Do you know who you're talking to? We happen to be professional fishermen, okay? We fished all night, honey. Whoever you are, what if they'd argue? It's not logical. Fished all over this, la this lake. We've gone to every honey hole we know of. And you're telling us, simply adjust to the right side of the boat and we're gonna, it's going to make a difference. That doesn't make sense, man, whoever you are. What if they'd argued? They'd have still had empty nets. They'd have still been in the night of depression, I think. I think I can speculate. And besides that, that's not the way we do it. And this is serious. I've understood from those who have looked into this that it was considered bad luck to fish on the right side. The custom was to fish on the left side. If you want to do something unlucky, just put it over on the right side, you sure enough will be skunked. And so this goes against everything they've ever understood. And yet Jesus said, drop the nets on the right side. And when they did, they could hardly pull it in. The nets were breaking. Friends, let me wrap this up. And if I could ask my friend to come to the organ here, I want you to focus, though, on what I'm about to say to you here. The major point of all I've been trying to say today is this. 
there may be things in your life that in and of themselves will not cause you to miss heaven. In and of themselves, they may not send you to hell. I've had many people ask me with regard to this or that or the other, do you mean to tell me that if I do this, whatever they mention, that I'm going to miss heaven? That I'm going to go to hell? My answer is almost always the same. I'm not saying that to you. That isn't what I'm saying. You're asking the wrong question, though. Not, is this thing going to send me to hell? But what is God's attitude toward it? Well, how does God feel about this thing in my life? You know, sometimes there are things in our lives that God puts His index finger on. And it it just kind of, it nags at us. And we say, yeah, that, that, that doesn't make sense. <laughs> that's, that's not that significant. That, that's not going to cause me to miss heaven. And you press on and it kind of goes away. And then in those moments when you want to be close to God, you desperately want an answer. You want to feel God's presence. There's that tap, 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 tap. He's a gentleman, remember? He doesn't force himself upon you. Tap, 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 tap. There it crosses your mind again. You say, God, surely, surely that's not that significant. And we brush it aside. Oh, God, I want to feel your presence. God, I want to be effective. Oh, God, I want to make an impact. Tap, 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 tap. But God, surely you're not asking that of me. Yes, probably he is. And the question is, are you going to make that adjustment? You see, he's not talking to rebels here. And I'm not preaching to renegades and rebels. People who are just shaking a fist in the face of God but people who are honestly trying to serve God. But periodically in my life, I don't know if it's in yours, but God will tap, tap, tap. Richard, I want you to make this adjustment. I want you to do this for me because, well, it's important to me. If God puts his index finger on it, can can you hear me? If God puts his finger on something and continues to do so in your life, it's probably not insignificant to him. He's probably wanting you to make that adjustment. Brief illustration. You're going to think this is silly. Years ago, it was Christmas time. I wanted to do something different at Christmas. I wanted to get an old-fashioned cedar tree. Boy, they fill a place with their aroma, don't they, when you bring them into the home? But all the cedar trees I had on my property were, well, 
ugly. It had to be the perfect one. They were everywhere. They're a nuisance around these parts, you know. And so I'm looking, looking, and I spy one over on my neighbor's land. He probably wants them all cut down. He won't even miss it. He won't care. Good grief, they're a pest. And yes, I went and cut that perfect one over there. Never thought a thing about it. Brought it into the home. Oh, the aroma. But I didn't enjoy that Christmas like I wanted to. That was his cedar tree. But I'm not going to go over there and and offer to pay for it for crying out loud. No! Not me! He'll think I'm stupid! And I fought it. It went away. And then I would come to a period in my life when I wanted to really draw close to God. Cedar tree. But Lord, He would have been glad if I'd have cut every one of them over there. That doesn't make sense. And it'd go away. But there came a time when I was earnestly, earnestly seeking to draw close to God. Cedar tree. And I said, God, I don't understand this. It's going to embarrass him about as much. Well, really, it was going to embarrass me most. And I went over to where he lived. And I caught him. And I said, listen, this sounds stupid. But last Christmas, I confessed what I'd done. Oh, man, how could not? Oh, we should have caught all of them. That's what I told you, God. I'm willing to, I want to pay you for it. Are you kidding me? I need to pay you for that. And I came home. I felt a little silly still. But I was never bothered with that cedar tree. Ever again. Let's stand. I couldn't possibly suggest all the things that might be in that category of things that in and of themselves may not cause you to miss heaven, send you to hell. But God has (laughs) tapped on it a number of times in your life. He says simply, I want you to make this small adjustment. I want you to fish on the right side. I want you to give that thing to me. I want you to yield that thing to me. It's hurting your experience. It's hurting your testimony. It's, it's hurting your influence. 
No, no. It's it's probably not going to keep you out of heaven. But it it can mean the difference between nets that are vibrating with fish and empty nets. Don't argue. Just surrender. With our heads bowed, I want to ask you, is God tapping, 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 tapping? And you've, you've argued about it. I said, Goodness, it's not. Jesus said, it's not what I take into my body that makes me unclean. It's the things that proceed from my heart, like anger and jealousy and all of those things. This thing, surely it's, a, it's, 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 it's such an insignificant thing. Tap, 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 tap. Would you give it to me? Would you surrender it? Would you yield it to me? It's hurting your testimony. It's hurting your influence. Would you just give it to me? Lord, I want to be effective. Lord, I want to, I, I, Lord, I want to take others with me to heaven. I don't want to go alone. Tap, 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 tap. Why don't you fish on the right side? Would you just make that adjustment? Not in a condemning way. Not saying you renegade, you rebel, you, you, you backslider. No, no, nothing like that. My daughter, my son, would you just please surrender that thing to me? While all heads are bowed, please, and wow. Is there somebody who would just lift a hand and say, Pastor, God is, God is speaking to me about something. And I purpose, by His grace and help and strength, I purpose to give that thing over to Him. I fought it long enough. He just keeps tapping, 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 tapping. And I've resisted and argued and fussed. But I want to fish on the right side. Would you just lift a hand anywhere? I, I see that. I see that hand. I see that hand. I, I, I could name a thousand and one things, and I'd miss the one thing that you're thinking about right now. Jesus, please help us to make those adjustments in our lives that seem insignificant, seem inconsequential as the world views it. It may not make a whole lot of sense to us even. Logically, we could argue against it and win the argument. But God is persistent and He is faithful. My child, I want you to obey me in this regard. And it can make such a profound difference in our sense of intimacy, our sense of God's presence. I don't know, had they argued and said, no, we're not going to do it, if you'd have just slipped away and they would have missed that glorious breakfast they had that morning, I'm not sure. But I just pray, Lord, that you'll help us to obey God in every particular. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. God bless you.
thank you for listening. You have a glorious day. You've been listening to the Sunday morning message broadcast from Church of God Holiness in El Dorado Springs. Our messages are archived at www.eldochurch.com or to order compact discs or DVD videos of the messages, call the church at 417-876-2200. Thank you for listening.